Do you want gloves? I have an extra pair of mittens. Oh, I would not be mad at mittens. Yeah, let's I left my mittens. On a finger-freezing December morning, I met up with my colleague Diana Hubble to do something we'd been planning for a long time. We headed out to Lincoln, Massachusetts to hang out with some regionally famous animals. But maybe not the kind you'd expect. Lincoln is a small town, home to roughly 6,000 people and more than a few farms. And when we pulled over on the side of the winding, two-lane road, we were greeted by a couple of sheep and a llama. There are llamas over there? But that's not who we were here to see. Guys, we were here for the ponies. Oh, it's a pony. It's a pony walker. Oh, it's really cute. So we walk out into a field and are surrounded by maybe 50 of them. They're beautiful and weird and arranged in concentric circles. And I should add, none of them are alive. Not that they're dead, they're just inanimate. We've got vintage rocking horses, giant wooden hobby horses, spray-painted plastic ones. Collectively, they make up one of the most unusual herds you'll ever see. And within the community, they are legendary. I'm Abby Peralt, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, I'm going to pass it over to Diana, and she's going to bring you into this circle of creaky ponies that's come to be known as Ponyhenge. How did all of these ponies get here? And what happens to them once they're a part of the herd? And how did they become not only a fixture of this town, but also kind of a reflection of it? Atlas Obscura writer Diana Hubble has the story. After this. I think your intuition was right, even in the cold. The people come. People come. The people come to the hedge. Ponyhenge has been here in Lincoln, Mass, since 2010. I grew up in the neighboring town about a 15-minute drive away, but I didn't actually visit the Henge until Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. When I showed up for the first time, there were at least a dozen people out in this field, all taking pictures with 40 or 50 old rocking horses and hobby horses and this one rocking duck. Someone had arranged them all in giant concentric circles. It was joyful, but, you know, kind of strange. There's a lot of local lore about Ponyhenge around here. When I asked around, people told me that a lone rocking horse just mysteriously appeared in this field one day. Then all of a sudden it was joined by another, then another, and another. And the herd just kept growing and no one knew why. But the true story, it turns out, is less mystical and more sweet. I mean, I am like a scavenger and a yard sale person, and I love old objects, and we live in an old house. So, like, This is Elizabeth Graver. She lives here. There's a free cycle station at the local town dump, and that's where she rescued the very first rocking horse for her daughter. Our older daughter, Chloe, absolutely loved it, like was a kid who really liked to move and she galloped and sang she'll be coming around the mountain and I mean she got massive use out of it and our younger daughter liked it too 
But then, in a scene right out of Toy Story, the kids eventually grew up. That old beloved rocking horse sat outside in the field for quite some time, though. At first, all by itself. And then our neighbor, Ellen Raja, left another horse that had been her son, so she was really attached to it, and it hadn't gone to the dump. And then my friend Marlene added one. At first, we sort of knew their origin. For a while, it was just these few, but then more ponies started showing up anonymously and always in the middle of the night. At first, Elizabeth and her husband just kind of went with it. At first, I kept really close track, and I would post on Facebook every time there was a new horse. And then I very quickly gave that up. Pretty soon, people started stopping by to take a look or walk around. And then in 2015, Elizabeth, who's a professor, was on her way to teach a writing class when she got a call from the Boston Globe. And the reporter called very urgently and said, like, you know, this is so-and-so from the Boston Globe. I need to... And I said, okay, like, I'll talk to you, like, tomorrow. And he said, no, no, I'm on deadline. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, there's, like, major world events happening. Like, how can you be on deadline? You know, like, why is this so important? At the time, the U.S. government was on the verge of a shutdown, and the race for the 2016 election was already pretty ugly. But sure enough, one day not too long after, she picked up a copy of The Globe, and there were her horses, right on the front page. Elizabeth had asked the reporter not to print her address, but people figured it out anyway. Soon there were more people showing up. And more ponies. Elizabeth says it continues to this day. I feel bad saying this because people leave them, but we get rid of horses every weekend that we're in town anyway. I mean, we, we, because they get broken and they fall apart, and also it would look horrible if we didn't. And I'm constantly also trying to give them away. Like a bunch of my friends have a nice one. Mm. If you guys want one, please take one. (laughs) (laughs) Just what my New York apartment needs. (laughs) Elizabeth says that sometimes her husband Jim carts a few off to the dump, only to find that someone will grab them and bring them right back to Ponyhenge. I can't believe you you get rid of some every weekend. Yeah, there's really a lot. How many, like if you had to estimate how many horses do you think pass through here on an annual basis? Hundreds. Hundreds. Every year, you think? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, this is still Elizabeth and Jim's home, and they don't want it to turn into a junkyard. Like, I sometimes have these sort of, like, dystopian visions that it's going to become, like, a pile of junk, you know, higher than my house, and I'm going to have to, like, hire dump trucks. And we have But for all the trouble, or, you know, dystopian nightmares, that managing the herd causes them, Elizabeth still feels a genuine attachment to Ponyhenge. Most of the time I think we feel like it's this thing that took its own on its own life, and we feel so lucky to live here. Like, that's all conservation land. Like, we don't sort of feel like we quite own it. Like, it's a field, you know, it's, and, and it gives people lots of pleasure. On the day we spoke, it was 32 degrees out, but there were still plenty of visitors. A couple walking their Australian shepherd, a bunch of parents. And at one point, a whole preschool class showed up on a field trip. It's actually become something of a local hangout, a place to meet up or take a walk, especially during the pandemic when people in the area were looking for things to do outside. 
There's some, a couple um, retirement communities that bring their van here, and sometimes they get out, sometimes they just stop and look. Multiple people have gotten married here, which, okay, sure. But there are also some more unique visitors. Jim had this amazing encounter with this elderly pair of men dressed as like cowboys and they had played cowboy when they were little and they came in their cowboy stuff and they were shooting and he pretended to you know drop down and they had a whole encounter and then they said can we build a fire we want to burn our childhood cowboy stuff that's where I would have said absolutely not on my land like you're gonna burn down my house but he said yes One day, Elizabeth saw maybe 20, 25 people all dressed in costumes around this big wooden hand-painted horse. They'd written a children's book about a circus escapee named Toby Horse and wanted to have a party for him. Anyway, it was this big, playful thing. People had instruments, and some of them knew how to play them, and some of them were just, like, blowing on horns. And they invited us because we showed up with our dog, and they had cookies in the shape of horses. They were giving out... you know, silk-screened T-shirts and underpants with Toby the horse on it. I mean, the whole thing was, like, very wacky, but very elaborate and kind of joyful and playful. Did they make Toby specifically to come to Ponyhenge? I believe they did. I mean, it seemed like the young woman in particular had cooked this up as a... I mean, it was a pandemic project. I don't know. It must have taken her a really long time. This is a big horse, and it's wood, so it's going to decay eventually, but it'll stay, you know, because it has such a beautiful story. And Toby Horse isn't the only horse at Ponyhenge that has a story. You also see a lot of them have writing on them oh, yeah. um, that say whose they were, something about their history. Some of them say in memory of... You were telling me about a Gene Simmons pony? (laughs) (laughs) He passed. Oh, no. no. (laughs) I'm sure you could find pictures of him, but he was wooden. And eventually, he he no longer could stand up. And, yeah, so it's a retirement community, but, you know, all things must end. (laughs) Side note, the last time I was at Ponyhenge, the Gene Simmons pony was alive and well, complete with full kiss band makeup and a bright red tongue sticking out. <laughs> As I look out at all these rocking horses and that one lost little rocking duck, I can't help but wonder, what will happen to Pony Hench? It's something Elizabeth thinks about, too. Like, how long it's going to last is sort of a question to me. Like, do do we let this go on forever? I mean, there have been a few moments where I thought maybe they should quietly dwindle. Jim, I'm a little harsher than he is. He's like, we can never get rid of it. And I sometimes feel like I want, like, the milkweed to grow back up and to not have so many people parking here and garbage being left. Like, I, I have some sense of, like, this land is giving itself over to this, but it shouldn't really have to forever. Um, But at the same time, I don't think, I I can't really actually imagine, first of all, it would be a lot of work to get rid of them. And second of all, I just think people would be too sad and we couldn't do it, so. (laughs) 
I feel like you'd have a constant stream of voices showing up anyway for the I next couple I think you're right. <laughs> Elizabeth is a creative writing professor and a writer herself. At one point, she told us about a short story that reminded her of Ponyhenge. There's this great Gabriel Garcia Marquez story called A Very Old Man with Enormous Wings, where this angel, or they don't know if it's an angel, a man with wings lands in a village. And at first people are like amazed, and then it becomes part of commerce and tourism and voyeurism and pleasure and fantasy and, you know, like a million different things. And then he starts to kind of decay. And I've thought about that story in relationship to this. Like, here's this wondrous thing that just appears. I've always loved that particular story. And it does feel like an apt comparison. Ponyhenge is this thing that's part magic and part tourist attraction. And also kind of a part-time job at this point for Elizabeth and her husband. And just like that angel, eventually all of the ponies here will decay someday. But for now at least, the herd will go on. So stop by Ponyhenge. Just remember to be respectful of Elizabeth and Jim's home. If you're lucky, you might meet them. They may even ask you to adopt a pony of your own. But whatever you do, please do not bring any more ponies here. I mean, there's too many, and they just keep coming. And every time there's something like Atlas Obscura or the Boston Globe, it gets worse. (laughs) We're so sorry. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes... Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Abby Peralt. Witness Docs from Stitcher.